the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 35. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. How's your How week? are you? Oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How good. are we? How am I? How are you, friend? Oh, yeah. I'm a little sleep deprived. It's mm. been a busy week. My son um, is in a play, and he's been rehearsing for uh, a month and a half. And how that affects me is that I have to, you know, stay up until nine thirty or ten to pick him up. That's late. It's so and, late. Yeah. Huh, yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean. Um, to be to do consistently, right? I mean, there were some rehearsal nights where he was finished at seven, uh, you know. But then it's when it you know comes down to the wire before showtime. It's you know it's a lot of late nights, and then he gets home and he's hungry, and so then I have to feed him, and um, yeah. So I'm kind of I, I'm realizing actually, um, we just finished our interview that we're going to introduce in a minute, but I just realized that I think I'm a little tired. <laughs> That's probably why I was a little quiet. Yeah. It's, it's like you go, go, go. It's, but you're out of your routine, right? Your a little night, bit. Yeah. Is, is altered a little bit. So yeah, a little bit and it's all doable. Why is it doable? Because I'm sober <laughs> and I can, mm-hmm. you know, I can go pick my kid up at 10 o'clock at night, um, without any worries of, you know, getting pulled over or whatever. And, um, so it's all doable. I'm just, yeah, I'm just a little stretched. So anyway, whatever it's a, it's a season of life and it'll be over in just a few days. And so, um, I'm not really inconvenienced or anything. It's just, you know, I'm just getting a little less sleep (laughs) this week. And I think it's catching up with me. Oh, well, like I, I don't, can't remember if I shared it in the pre-call or during our interview, but, um, my husband's gone. Oh yeah, I did. We did do it in the interview, but just, it, it is a shift in my routine because my mornings are really kind of my magic hours. <laughs> I'm doing jazz mm-hmm. hands right now for you, Sandra. I'm doing jazz hands like all <laughs> over the place. That is like, I get up and my brain is just on go and I, I'm writing, I'm posting, I'm making stuff. I, I'm going and, um, making notes and lists and things so I don't forget. And I haven't been able to do that the last couple of days. So that's felt, um, and it's only been two days, but it's, uh, it's a shift. And tonight, um, for that shift is, um, my son's homecoming dance and he's a freshman. So this is kind of the first dance of the school year. Mm-hmm. And it's not a formal at his school. It's just a casual, they don't have a football team. So, it's, they call it a homecoming dance, but they did a flag football game after school yesterday, really casual. And there's no 
big dresses or tuxedos or anything like that. It's just, you know, jeans and hang out. And I don't know if anybody, if, if any schools do that anymore, I think that that is a tradition gone the way of 1980s or something. I, I I could be wrong about that, but, um, is it how, how it is by you? Well, we have a big, you know, we're a football school for sure. I mean, God, it's, you know, Texas. Yeah, it's Friday Night Lights here, but um, even in Austin. But um, I still think that I mean, my kid goes to the the fine arts high school, public school. Mm-hmm. Um, so from what I've noticed, kids, you know, you you don't have to wear the formal okay. stuff. So yeah, well, I'm from they get Southern- creative. They get creative with their outfits. Good. I like that. Well, I, I am thinking from the eighties, you know, cause we're eighties girls and, right. um, but a lot of my friends are still in Southern California with their children. And, um, all I see is a lot of formal wear and tuxes and, hmm. and the whole thing and limos. And I was like, Oh God, that, wow, I don't do that. Yeah. um, but you're yeah. right around here. I'm not really tapped into the high school vibe out here, um, of what's going on. So this is just all new for me, but mm-hmm. I need to take them tonight. I have to stay out till like ten thirty, Sandra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, me too. I'll be I'll be right out there with you. <laughs> but I, my friend texted me last night. She's like, "Do you want to go roller skating with the girls tomorrow night and bring Grady?" I'm like, "Well, Grady has a dance, but dude, I am all about going to the roller rink." Um, back in the day, Sandra. I frequented Roller City a lot. Oh yeah, and same. And I was queen of the limbo for a few seasons. Mm. I cannot say that I'm going to be queen of the limbo tonight. <laughs> no, you may hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fear now, right? It's like, am I going to break something? Um, Most but likely. they play good music, right? And, oh, yeah. And me and my girlfriend, just we just go in circles and circles. I can't oh, do I anything love- fancy. But I love I it. I love roller skating. We have an old school roller skating rink here. It's actually not too far from my house. And I love to go skating. I'm not as, I can't, I've, I can't, I need to go more so that I can get better because I get super jealous of everybody that backward skates because yes. I used to be able to backward skate and then I, I've lost it. But do you have, did you have the hair? Did you have the feather hair to backward skate and look really cool when you were doing it? Yeah, it looked yeah, cool. I guess you did. I don't know. No, I know. I know yeah. you did. I know for a fact you did. I but had... when I skate now, I like to wear like tube socks. I mean, I you know, I I you get into it. it. I'm gonna wear my leg warmers tonight if I go. I'm wearing my <laughs> leg warmers. Ooh, I got and I got a gold belt. Okay, I'm I might get a, a whole get up on it. It's gonna be my night out tonight. It's gonna be pretty. I wasn't looking forward to it with the ten thirty factor, but now that we're talking, oh yeah, I'm getting pretty excited. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Get you a root beer. You'd be good to go. <laughs> oh my God. That smell when I walk in there, it's like, it transports me because when I started going to roller city, I was, it was in the seventies. So I was seven or eight and my mom would just drop us off. Mm, oh yeah. Pick us up. I don't know. Six, eight hours later. Like it was like, sure. that was <laughs> the, I ba- know. the babysitter. I know, right? Where and if you side... fell down and broke something, you know, God forbid somebody tries to get it, find your right. parent. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I would cell drink. phones. I always think about that all the time. <laughs> right. 
Our parents just like <laughs> opened up the Buick and like kick you out just and sitting go. You're suffering. I mean, that actually it didn't happen to me at a at a roller skating rink, but yeah, my parents were just gone for something for many hours at one point. I like flipped my three wheeler and it bounced off my leg, and wow. I I remember my neighbor was like where's your parents? Like, I don't know, really. I think they're, you know, it like took an hour for to track down my parents before they could even get me to the hospital. And you lived. And you lived, lived, right? You totally lived. lived. That's funny. Well, I used to do this thing and I'm just thinking like, oh, gee, this was a, a sign like ding, ding, ding. I used to be the girl that would go up to the soda fountain, right? And, um, or the, wherever you bought snacks or whatever. And I would say, um, I'd like a suicide, please. And you know what a suicide is, right? Oh, yeah. It's all the, uh, yeah, (laughs) all this. It's every drink. It's every soda in one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Future alcoholic. If your children are ordering suicides, you might want to take a look at that. I need all of them. (laughs) Scarcity. One's not enough. Nope. I need, and I need to keep having it. Yeah. So oh, that, that just took me back in time right there. Um, yeah. And I was going to tell you, I got something funny. Well, not funny. I just got things in the mail. I love getting mail. You know that. And I got a lot of really fun mail this week, but we got a couple of a Christmas party invitations. And when this airs, it's going to be the first week of December. And pretty quickly, I like looked at one and went, nope, not for me. And then the second one, I was like, I'll go if I have to. And, but before I used to labor over these invitations, Sandra, I mean, I would think about it and obsess about it for a week. Mm. And before I could even talk to my husband about, you know, and build my case, you know, why I didn't want to go. I'm talking about in sobriety. Mm. So the last mm-hmm. couple seasons, holiday seasons, I've been like, you know, trying to figure out a way to talk to him about it and seeing, you know, how it would, or I'd go and then not have a good time or could we leave early? But this year feels different for me. It just felt like, nope, and if I need to, because it's a work thing for him. And so I just t- I just emailed him last night, and I was like, um, I don't want to go to this party, but if you want to go, I'll RSVP for you. So he's going solo, and it's one of our neighbors. And then the other party is his work party, and he was like, I don't really want to go, but if you want to go, I'm like, and I email him back, I'm like, what makes you think I would want to go? Like, <laughs> what part? Are you new here? <laughs> Are you new? <laughs> so, uh, so, so far I think I'm getting out of two parties and I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the holidays a lot in, yes. uh, the next coming weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But so far it just felt good to kind of early on. I mean, one of the invitations came before Halloween. Well, I was just going to say, I, 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 uh, I don't even think about a Christmas party until December. I just, um, I, I don't know. I live in the moment, (laughs) but that seems crazy early to get, to get Christmas parties. Well, right. So when this airs in December, but we're in early, we're in early November when we're recording this. So it's like, what? I I can't. So that's my gut reaction is No. (laughs) My gut reaction is yeah. (laughs) I would tell my husband, ask me the night before, and I'll let you know. (laughs) That's how we're doing this. That's how we're gonna do it. Oh well, do you have anything you want to share, or anything you're working on, or? No, I 
I imagine your marketplace for the holidays. Are you going to have stuff up? Yeah, I I have. I will hope. I'm certain by the time that this is airing, um, I will definitely have beefed it up a bit. But at the moment that we're recording this, I'm I've been just steeped in uh, wedding photos. Um, so because it's it's wedding season here and uh and it will be for probably another couple of weeks i actually shoot another one tomorrow but um that can take up my whole day is um editing photos so i have been steeped in that and uh and you know trying to write when i can so that's that's been that's been what I've been doing, but, and I've missed my studio. In fact, I was just thinking this morning, I cannot wait to wrap up this week today because, um, I'm going to get out in my studio as much as I can over the weekend, Monday, Tuesday. So I'm looking forward to that. And yes, I hopefully will be adding some holiday items in my marketplace. Sure. Oh, good. Well, I'm wrapping up, I'm wrapping up my ray of light series for the year. So this will be the last month of interviews. It's going to take us all the way up to the end of the year. Aaron Shaw street is going to be my last ray of light of this calendar year, 2017. And it has been such a great year. I have learned so much about, um, process, about creative process, about making these ray of light, um, pieces of art on these wood panels and adhesives and what type of paints work best. And black and white images and just, I've learned so much. And then just the other part was learning about the women and the interviews and the different recovery modalities and how differently everybody recovers. And it's been a huge teacher for me this year is this project. And I'm, I'm happy that I did it. And then I'm exciting. I'm excited to be wrapping it up with a little bow on top with Aaron, with Aaron's interview and take a break. Yeah. From it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it has been a great little force this year to get me to um, get outside my comfort zone, do things I wasn't going to do, push through when I have a problem with the process for art, um, which I can usually hit, you know, you hit a wall with it and then I'll I'll set it aside for a a time until I want to come back. Well, I couldn't with this one Mm because each each week I had to come back to it. Right. You know, it just helped me with my procrastination. It helped me. It just helped me a lot. So, well, I, and what I, an yeah. amazing body of work that you will have have made. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Thank you. I am. Um, you know, one one of the interviews was quote unquote not really an interview. It was me introducing the project, and one was when Casey passed away. I did a ray of light for her. So really, mm-hmm. there's 50 interviews, and um, and yeah, I'm really proud that I stuck with it. That outer accountability for me is huge. I. I have some inner accountability, but my outer accountability is better. And that's what helps me keep producing work. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what works for me somehow. So it's been a good, it's been a good year. Mm. I think for both of us too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. We mentioned in the interview, so we have, we are interviewed Melissa Johnson today and we talk about in the interview how it was this time last year that we were all here in Austin and it doesn't seem like a, it seems like a crazy long amount of time that has passed. It really does. Like I was really shocked at first. I thought I wanted to argue with you guys and say, no, that's been two years, (laughs) but it's only been a year. That's crazy. So much has happened in a year. Wow. And I remember it all. (laughs) Right. 
<laughs> no, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, eleven, eleven. Um, wow. Yeah, that's when that's... I first got to meet you in person. I know. It's like our anniversary. Just a year. I know. It's <laughs> just crazy. Ah. That's like a love fest today. Yeah. That's exciting. So, yeah. So today we um, are so excited to give you an interview with our friend Melissa Johnson. Um, If you are in the recovery world, online world at all, you probably know Melissa Johnson. She has a couple of websites. One's called mytruthstartshere.org. Um, the other is clean life, clean home. And I'll mention those again in just a second.com. But, um, Melissa is, she's a proud sober mom of two beautiful children. She got clean and sober on May 19th, 2015. And following her year of sobriety, she founded her nonprofit called clean life, clean home. And she's based in Norman, Oklahoma, which is kind of near Oklahoma city. I'm pretty sure, um, And it's a nonprofit designed to give back to other sober moms and dads who've turned their lives around. Um, The nonprofit does so on the premise that a clean life deserves a clean home. And Melissa hopes that by sharing these beautiful testimonials, so she – she sort of interviews – she tells the story of the person that she has – whose home she's cleaned. Um, And she hopes that these empower – other sober men and women, women, and it gives others the courage to ask for help without um, the fear of being judged. And so um, she talks a lot about her nonprofit, but if this, we are in the se- season of giving, and um, if you would like to help Melissa in her um, and her nonprofit, she's you know always take donations for uh, cleaning supplies. Um, she's also, uh, she'll talk about it in the interview too, but she is choosing a family in which to, um, uh, give a Christmas to. And so she'll be taking donations for that as well. But those are all on cleanlifecleanhome.com. Um, she also has a Facebook page that is clean life, clean home, um, yeah, and but if you want to just read about Melissa's story uh, and her journey to sobriety, her website, which is what I mentioned before, is mytruthstartshere.org. She's so powerful and, yeah. ins- and inspirational, and she is just totally walking the walk. I mean, that's it. You know, we can think we want to get sober, we want to think about not drinking, and that's a whole journey in itself. But once you get to the point, like we talked about in our episode a few weeks ago of not this... Mm-hmm. Melissa got to her not this moment for sure. And it sounds like that happened on May 18th of 2015. And then she just pushed off. And from, from, from that decision that she made, she's just done nothing but take action in her life. Mm-hmm. And I think this interview is just so beautiful. She shares a lot about being a mom and about her relationship with her son in particular. And I just think our listeners are going to love, love her story and really connect. Yes, I agree. Okay. Well, enjoy the show, everyone. Enjoy. Hey, Melissa. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Sandra. How are you guys? I'm good. Yeah, all the kids are gone. Everybody's got their kids off to school. We're good. 
You hear that? <laughs> Nothing. Silence. <laughs> Oh, Melissa, I was thinking about you this morning because I'm solo parenting for like six whole days, right? Which is nothing. Um, but that's a, the morning routine is a lot to get children out the door and animals taken care of and carpooling. Like, and you do that all the time, right? Oh yeah. Every day. Yeah. 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 And my, one of my cats has decided that she wants to be inside now. And so she wants to sleep in my room and, and, uh, five o'clock this morning she was walking on my chest and I was like, okay well I guess it's time to get up mm-hmm. and then um and then of course my son was like I don't want to go to school I want to stay home and um and that's kind of like an everyday thing it's it, <laughs> one of them are wanting to stay home every day and I'm like I just don't even want to hear it go to school just go <laughs> right can, can you tell our listeners um you don't have to tell their names but the ages of your children and how long you've been um solo parenting Oh, okay. So my son is nine. He'll turn 10 in January. And my daughter is seven. She just turned seven in August. And I have basically been solo parenting since they were born. Mm. Um, I did have a boyfriend at one point and we lived together, but he was always at work. And so um, it's been like that. That's your normal. It's your thing. It's your normal. Yeah. 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 They both have the same dad, but we um, weren't. We were together whenever I got pregnant with my son, and we were not together when I got pregnant with my daughter. That was just like a one-time like thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, whenever I came home um, from the hospital with each kid, like, I was alone. I was by myself. Mm. Wow, so, yeah. it's a big job. It is yeah, a big job. I, when I came home with my son I lived with my sister though she did help me and when I came home with my daughter um it was just me and both my kids living together so yeah I'm kind of used to it I guess I mean it is frustrating it is overwhelming sometimes but I'm pretty used to it (laughs) yeah yeah you know what you're capable of too which is pretty beautiful I would imagine you know when you get to see all that you're doing um well I got to meet your nice sister and Sandra did too when we were in Mm -hmm. Austin and I was I was thinking about it today. You guys, we were in Austin last year together on, I think it was today. It was today. Oh, yeah. Fun. Okay. Right? That's, yeah. Was it? Well, the day that we were, oh, maybe it was the 11th. 11-11. Yeah, still well, this week. I'm looking on Facebook and I'm seeing my uh, memories and I'm pretty sure it was today. And maybe it was tomorrow. I don't know. But Maybe when we got into town was that Friday night, but the conference was the next day. So um, for oh, our okay. listeners, we went to a conference in Austin and um, it was an atheist agnostic um, AA conference. And I was doing a little chit chat at it. And the guy, you came up, Melissa, and I got to rendezvous with Sandra and meet her in person. And it was like a really, I mean, the point of the gathering, I think, was for all of us to be together. That was kind of the the fun thing that we could all group up and have dinner and chat in real life. Why does that seem so long ago? That seems like a century ago. Wow. (laughs) So much has happened. In New York city though, like an Italian restaurant. Yeah. Well, Sandra wasn't there, but when we went to, yeah, my face was on a stick. (laughs) You were there in spirit. (laughs) I brought Sandra's, um, flat Sandra remember I brought her on a stick like her laminated self she was she was in New York having a whole bunch of fun with us yeah we went to that great Italian restaurant we walked and did a little shopping on the way back with Natalie 
Yeah, it was good. Um, but so that, so yeah, that's, I got to meet you last year. I was thinking about that, but where I first heard your story was on the home podcast with Laura and Holly. And I, you guys were talking about mom shame, I believe. And your episode touched me so deeply as I know it did a lot of moms because a lot of people aren't talking about, um, they're drinking if they're a mom, you know, it's a really shameful, quiet, um, hell that we like to kind of simmer in all by ourselves. And, um, I thought you were just super brave and honest. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to encourage our listeners to hear if they want to hear all the nitty gritty of your story to listen to episode 44 of home and you can get the full download there. Um, but for our purpose here, I was just hoping that you could give a, um, you know, a short version of, of when you knew you had to quit drinking for our listeners so that they can kind of identify with you. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, started drinking and doing drugs very early on. I was 14 years old and, um, I just felt it made me feel like I fit in and made me, um, I just felt normal when I was drinking and doing drugs and, you know, like as the years went on, like the consequences got worse. When I was 21 years old, I ran a red light. I hit somebody. I totaled my car in a blackout. Um, when I was 24, I did this exact same thing and um, totaled another car in another blackout at another intersection. And like as the years went on, the consequences would get worse and worse. But and I would always get arrested and go to jail. And really, honestly, it just I just didn't care. I'm like mm-hmm. I just. Like, I'm just not going to stop. I'm just not going to do it. After I did total my second car, though, I was like, um, I had glass in my face and in my arm. And I was like, I think I might have a problem. You know, maybe I need to go to a meeting. And I had heard about AA. I'd gone with a friend of mine and um, that had gotten sober a year before, I believe. So I found an AA meeting. I went to it and I was sitting in this circle and they called on me and wanted me to talk. And I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> I left that meeting and I went, I was like, absolutely not. I went straight to the bar and I just kept on drinking. And that was, I was 24 years old when that happened. And, um, as the years went on, the consequences got worse. I had kids. I thought that moving a state away from all my party friends, my drug dealer and all that stuff would, um, would help me. The geographic. That's- solution my god I have moved back and forth between Oklahoma and Texas so many times it's ridiculous (laughs) I moved to Chicago at one point too like really um I heard I heard that word geographic in meetings early on I didn't know what it meant clearly it's just moving correct for for our listeners who are you're just thinking that's going to change the situation is by changing your environment is you're going to do it pull a geographic it's the geographic solution yeah which is not which is not really because (laughs) wherever you go there you are (laughs) oh my god and like everywhere I go I make friends with the people that drink like I do Mm mm-hmm um, so anyways, I got pregnant with my son and then got pregnant with my daughter. And when my son was, I think he was five or six, I guess, um, he ate a marijuana brownie that I had in my house. I had left laying around and went to school and told him that he had a brownie with medicine in it because that's what I told him. And so DHS came and because of my background, my criminal background and another incident that I had with DHS, they took my kids. Can, can I stop you for just a quick second? What's DHS? Oh, um, department or CPS, like child protective. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. CPS. CPS came and took my kids. Um, and that was in December, 2013, right before Christmas. 
and um, they ended up going with my dad and my stepmom. I tried. I really, really did try. Like at first, to like I was like, okay, well, this is it. I'm going to stay sober. But it's still, I still didn't get sober until I think it was February 10th of 2014, um, where I like broke down to a lady that I knew um, in AA, who I actually waited on at a restaurant that I worked at. And she start, she uh, became my sponsor, and I started working the steps, and um, I ended up getting my kids back in May of 2015. And, you know, I was doing the thing. I was chairing meetings and, you know, like meeting other women and, you know, just staying connected. But really, honestly, um, I had the thought in the back of my head that once all my probation and everything was done, because I was on probation for felony, um, ch- uh, felony DUI at that time. Um, and then eventually I'd be on probation for a felony child neglect from, uh, um, an incident from a few years before that. And I was like, what, once all of this is done, like I will be able to drink again, like normally I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be different next time. And, right. and then, and, and I hadn't 100% changed my friends. I had a guy friend around that wasn't, didn't understand you know, he just didn't understand. He didn't understand alcoholism. And he didn't have to deal with the consequences that I dealt with. You know, he saw what I dealt with, but he still, like, wanted the fun, drunk Melissa. And um, and I was struggling really bad with my son and his behavior. And it's like, just craziness and trying to balance everything. And one day he was like, you just need a drink. And I was like, you know what? He is right. I do need a drink. And it was like a few days later, a week later, you know, I got my kids taken away again. Um for the second time in May of 2016, um, I relapsed, and within within 24 hours of the first drink, I my kids were being taken away in a police car. Mm-hmm. Um, I had left my son at the karate studio while I went and got even more intoxicated, and then I couldn't remember where he was and called the police on myself to, to report him missing. Mm-hmm. Um and my son called me from the studio and was like, I'm ready to come home. And it, it all clicked. It all came back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I left him at the karate studio. But by then, you know, I got police all over my house. I got DHS showing up. The police went and picked up my son. They, um, my sponsor at the time, packed their bags, and they were taken away in a police car. Yeah, so. And that was um, 2016. Or 2015, and my they came back 2016. Yeah. Right. Okay. So May of 2015, that's when that happened. Yes. May. They first time they were taken away May or December 2013. The second time they were taken away May, um, May 18th of 2015. Mm -hmm. And was that? How old are you right? How old are you right now, Melissa? I'm just curious. I'll be 38 in January. Okay. 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 So was that your wake up call? Was that the? Mm, yeah. yeah. Like my, I went, I had to go to court and, um, so I'm in the same courtroom with the same judge, with the same lawyer trying to figure out where my kids are going to live once again. And I was just like, there, like something hit me. Um, like it will never get better. Like it will never be different. Like I will, it will always be bad. Like something bad will always happen. And it has always been like that. Right. How many times did you need to test the theory to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really strange because, um, like a few months before my kids, 
um, were taken away the first time, I was um, look my lawyer for my felony DUI. He was like, "You're gonna, you can have five years probation, or you can have eighteen months prison." And I said, "Well, I want to go to prison." And my sister and him were like, "Well, um, what about your kids? Like, mm-hmm. to go to prison? Mm-hmm. Like, what about my kids? I can barely take care of them. My sister can take better care of them. I cannot." be sober and outside of, you know, a prison, I, I just can't do it. Hmm. Um, I, I need to go to prison, but I took probation and three months later, my kids were taken away for the first time. Um, but yeah, so, so you um, knew, you knew that you needed something really extreme is what you obviously picking prison is like, if I go there, I won't have access to alcohol. Is that what you thought? And so, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, I, I cannot, the only way that I will not drink is if I'm locked up. It just proves that, again and again, the power of addiction is greater than the consequences, right? Yeah. Because if we asked you, do you love your children? You would say, oh, my God, of course I love my children, right? More than anything, more than myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just how powerful alcohol addiction is. (laughs) And that's, I think... And that's just the progression of it, you know, where yeah. I, I love the stories of the women who, you know, jump off the train before it slams into the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't, it's, that, that story it's, amazed me. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't understand them, actually. But yeah, right. I have a hard time connecting to those stories. Yeah, And if you don't. But if you don't jump off the train, y- you could definitely hit the wall eventually because. Oh, yeah. That's just the way alcohol is. It's an addictive substance. Yes. Um, but yeah, so, so it's something did click and, I, and, and, and surprisingly it didn't before. I don't know. Like I knew I just, I just knew like this is not, it's never going to be different. And, um, I did tell my mom that I wasn't going to make it through it. I said, this pain is too great. Like I cannot do this. This is, I have messed up too bad. I'm not going to be able to come back from this. And um, she was like, you will, you will come back from this, you know, and you, and you will do it one day at a time. And um, a couple of days my, after the incident, my kids were taken away. I was not allowed to be alone because my friends were afraid that I would either kill myself or I would go drink. And um, a friend of mine, she, I was staying at her house and she asked me if I had a daily reflections book and I said, no. So she pulled one out of her closet and said, here, take this one. And I opened it up to that day. And I think it was like May 20th, which, uh, two days after my kids were taken away and it was one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, wow, it was my first glimpse of hope. Um, but I, but I had surrendered. I, I was like, whether I go to prison, what, no matter what happens, I've, and I, I surrendered. Mm. and 100% surrendered. I'm like, here I, here I am again in the same courtroom with the same judge and the same lawyer trying to figure out where my kids were going to live. Like, no more. No more. Yeah. And, um, and then it's like whenever once the surrender happened and once the fog cleared and I realized I will, um, I, I will do this. I will do whatever I, ha- whatever I have to do, whether it's prison, whatever it is, I will do this and I'm going to do it without... Um, trying to numb out. I'm just that's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. And like God, that once that surrender happened, God said, "Okay, well that chapter is done. That really, really, really long chapter, it's done. Now the next chapter is sharing your story." And I was like, "Oh no, no, no! 
I am a mom. I'm a felon. My kids are in D, uh, DHS custody again, and I'm looking at prison time. I was like, oh, no. This Absolutely. is too shameful, right? It's just it's too, too yeah. I, because I kept on a um, a happy face, you know. When I got when I would got my kids taken away, I went to work the very next day, and like you would never know, you would never know. I put right. makeup on, dressed cute, and I put on my smile, and you never know that my police were in my house the day before taking my kids away. Mm. You just know. That, that so I want to hold real quick, Melissa, the, the, the shame part of it. Cause I know we all feel that like when we're drinking, whether we're the early exit or the late, you know, hitting the wall, like you said, Sandra, like there's this component of shame that just, um, it's like a special hell that only people who are drinking, I feel like really know. But I also want to, what do I want to ask you is that, so when you're in the shame spiral and we're in it, but it also, I mean, I feel like it propelled you, right? That shame, like to stop, like, was it a powerful force that you just didn't want to feel that way anymore? Or, or how did that play a role in, um, in you, what you're about to share, I think, and like in coming out, like, how did you help? How did that shame propel you to share your story? Well, it was kind of, I don't know. I, I kind of just felt, um, like, I just had to do it anyways. No matter how much fear I had, no matter how much shame that I had, I had to, I just had to. Um, and then how did you feel after you, like, you did it the first time? How did you feel after that? Um, I felt, I felt scared. I felt excited. And I don't know, I was kind of on, like, a pink cloud, kind of, like, I well, literally, like, I was losing sleep over it, you know, because I was, mm. like, you know, for a month or so, a little up, little over a month, um, I fought with God, my higher power over this, saying, you know, I'm not, I can't share my story. It's scary. It's embarrassing. I'm shameful. You know, like, it's, it's disgusting. It's a mess. And I don't want people to know. But, like, literally, I was losing sleep over it. And mm. I, I, I would go to, before I went to sleep... That's the, I, I was hearing that I needed to share my story and I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would wake up super early and just know, I knew that this was something that I had to do regardless of my fear or my shame. Like I just had to do it. And I remember telling my mom, I said, um, so I'm hearing this voice in my head and tells me I have to share my story and I don't want to, but, um, obviously I have to do it if I'm like ever going to sleep again. <laughs> <laughs> where did so- you, where did you first start to like, where, where did you try it on for size? Where did you first share? Oh, I created a blog ah. and I didn't have no idea even like how to do it, what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't even know. And I didn't know what I was going to call it. I just told my mom, I said, I think I have to start a blog. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to just walk myself through this kind of like a YouTube type thing where you can like YouTube, um, how to start a blog. Well, that's kind of how I did it. And um, I just called it My Truth Starts Here because that's what I was being called to do is share my truth, like all of it. Like the messy, disgusting part that I was like the most ashamed of, That's just, I had to shine light on it. I had to. I love that. Well, I think a lot of us start off writing. You know, we did an earlier episode, I think, Sandra, remember about, um, mm-hmm. you know, that 
having that creative outlet of, of starting a blog was a really great place to, to start telling your story and start to kind of getting it out of you and depositing it in this container on the internet. There was a lot of, um, you know, when I first started writing, it's like, you know, nobody was reading my work, but to kind of exercise it out of me, kind of to pull it out of me and put it someplace else felt like that was the first step. Um, to, to, to today, to where we're at today and how we're talking about it. But I love that. That's what you knew. You YouTubed it. That's so awesome. I love it. And then you did it. You took action, which is the next thing, right? That's so important in recovery. And that's, that's when I learned about Instagram too. And so I started my truth starts here, Instagram page. And I just kind of started sharing on that also and connecting with people. Um, but it was really strange because after I had got my kids taken away and after, you know, like the fog cleared and all that, um, I somehow, I have no idea. It's like once I surrendered, I started finding this stuff. That's mm-hmm. how I, I found Holly Whitaker. I found the bubble podcast, the, the bubble, bubble hour. hour. Mm-hmm. I had never heard a podcast before. And I remember laying in my other house. I lived in where my kids were taken away twice. I, um, laid on the couch. I slept on the couch a lot because me and my daughter had shared a room and it was really painful to sleep in my bed without her there. I would reach over in the middle of the night and try to reach for her and she wasn't there. So I would sleep on the couch a lot and would listen to the bubble hour. I'm like, wow, people are talking about this stuff. Like this right. is heard, cool. heard your story a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. your other and women it, share the same feelings and be in the same yeah. place you've been. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So when yeah, you that's connected with a lot of um, women and found Holly and Laura and then just oh I remember um, I was the um, I was in, sitting outside of a meeting and I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw an ad for The Secret um, the documentary mm-hmm. and like oh my god what is The Secret that's really weird I want to. Um, I need to find the documentary. I need to order it online or whatever. Go to the Barnes and Nobles and watch it. Like literally that night I went home, I was scrolling through Netflix and there it was, the secret. <laughs> so I watched it and I started looking up the people that are talking in the um, in the in the documentary and that's where I came up with uh, I found Gabby Bernstein. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, "Wow, look at her. She seems like she has it all together." Um I wonder how often she drinks. <laughs> and uh-huh. then I started to it, and she was sober. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That was> cool. <laughs> Talk about laws of attraction, right? So that's like, <laughs> it was all happening yeah. for you. Well, and the fact that, you, just like you said, you know, she shares her story. She's, she has something you want. And, um, and then the same thing. Um, you know, and we'll get to this, but the same thing is happening probably now for you, Melissa, because you shared your story and you're this beautiful, strong, sober woman and mother, um, that are doing that just are doing these amazing things. And now there's probably women that look to you that way. Well, so it just comes full circle. A couple of weeks ago, I was at my daughter's tumbling class and I was watching her through like where where all the parents sit. And I got this comment on one of my Instagram posts, and it was a mom in England who had found my story, and when she found my story on Instagram, it inspired her to go to her first AA meeting, 
And she relapsed after that first AA meeting, but has since gotten sober and is now 14 months sober because mm. reading my story. And I was like, oh my gosh. I love and it. Bawl my eyes out. I had to go out in the hallway and bawl my eyes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Melissa, I want to tell you, um, of course, to keep this all anonymous, I won't be using any names, but um, I met a woman in one of my women's meetings and, um, and she told basically kind of your story and and I, it resonated with me and she was, she looked real sad and broken and, um, ashamed. And so I quickly wrote down, I take these little cards with me when I go to meetings and I write either phrases down or my phone number, but I wrote down your episode on home. I quickly looked it up and I wrote my phone number and I gave it to her after the meeting. Of course, you know, everybody's swarming her after the meeting. I'm like, I don't want to overwhelm her. So I just hand it to her and I said, do you listen to podcasts? I said, I think, I think this one might um, resonate with you. And I walked away. Um, and since then she's had her own stuff that she's doing and I won't share that, but, um, she listens to you. She reads your work and she's really excited that you're going to be on the pod today. And I'm super proud of her. And, um, she has her children back too. And, um, I just want you to know you, you are affecting people and touching people's lives that you just don't even know, Melissa. I know. I'm getting all teary. I'm getting all teary too. Cause it's really a beautiful kind of, um, this thread that we keep weaving right through all of us in sobriety and just by meeting you and knowing your story and hearing you on Holly and Laura's, um, podcast. I mean, that just is powerful. And, um, she like looks up to you. And uh, so I don't know, I just really, it was kind of a cool thing to know that, um, that we were going to talk to you today and that I could tell you that too. So thank Thank you. you. I'm trying not to bawl my eyes out right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't it just beautiful though, that, that like, we think it's so dark and we think that we just can't change. Or we think that it's just this perpetual groundhog day of misery and Mm -hmm. this hungover state, you know, that that's this dullness. And then like to know that it's not, I mean, spreading the message is kind of what we're all doing. That step 12 work, right? We're doing it. Yeah, I sometimes I really am just mind blown because like in the beginning I was so I even still get nervous too when I post like stuff that is um that's I don't know I can't I can't even think of the word um whenever I post stuff sometimes that's really personal I get all like anxious you know like even though I've already shared all my stuff online but I'm just like like how is it that the mess and the destruction that I cause now helps people. It's just, I'm mind blown sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really, it's just crazy how that works. (laughs) I'm glad that I can't um, give into the fear and not share my story. I'm really glad. Well, it's changed. It's yeah. It changed your life, right? It changed your perception of yourself. It changed your self-worth, I'm sure. And your confidence. Oh yeah. And my kids. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's all personal and it is hard every time we tell it, right? I'm with you on that. Like I've been sharing a little bit more in my writing and on Instagram things about sobriety and I'm not a huge crusader wanting everybody to do it how I do it or, you know, nothing like that. But it's every time there's a little bit more that I share, there's some kind of comfort that happens inside of me. You know, it's like more of a knowing of who I am and, um, I don't know. Do you feel that way, Sandra, when you write or how does that? Yeah. Well, 
I was just thinking that, you know, uh, oftentimes I think, God, if, you know, if any of you guys knew me, you know, four or five years ago, you would have thought I was a big piece of shit. And maybe not, you know, maybe I put on a face. But, but I felt that way. Um, And so I think just sharing and, and to keep, you know, and not just to always dwell on the past, but to acknowledge it and then just show you know, but this is, this is me now. It's just proof of, proof of transition, proof of change, um, you know, proof of, proof of life. And, uh, I think that that those, that part is what, um, is important to share because it gives other women hope, you know, um, gives them something maybe to hang their hat on. And, um, I just think that that's, uh, I, I, I've, I had the calling too. So for whatever reason, I'm just going to keep doing it because, because it's, um, I, I just think that it's what I'm here to do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. So, so like in the, in the format in the rooms, you know, we talk about what it was like, what happened. And so we kind of just covered that, but then there's this awesome part. That's the favorite part of my meet of the meetings I go to, or when people are speaking is the, what it's like now, you know? And so that's kind of like where we're at here. And so I wanted to ask you, um, you know, now that you're sober, um, and you feel sturdier in life, I'm imagining and in your in your parenting and, 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 um, you know, being the woman that you are right now, um, we wanted to just talk about the awesome thing that you created out of your situation, um, with your nonprofit, clean life, clean home. So can you tell our listeners how you started that nonprofit and how that came to be? Yeah, I, um, this, this time around getting sober, I went on a different path. I did not, um, get a sponsor. I got a life coach this time and I saw her quite a bit and she helped me really gain my confidence back and to really, um, just kind of step out of my comfort zone. And I started cleaning houses, um, part time. I wait tables, but I started cleaning houses part time during the week to, on my own, um, to make some extra income. And I needed something that was going to be flexible because of the program that I was in. Since I didn't go to prison, I got, um, in a program called community sentencing and I had to do, um, random drug tests. I had court once a month. I had a minimum of eight meetings a month that I had to go to. And, um, I had office visits. I had, um, curfew. I had all kinds of stuff that I had to do in this program. Um, plus all my DHS stuff, right? All these hoops that I had to jump through. And I was like, I need to do something where I can still make money, but it's a little bit flexible. So I started cleaning houses. Well, um, just because I'm sober doesn't mean I don't have my own little pity parties. So I, <laughs> I was having a little pity party in my life coach's um, office one day. And I just told her, I was like, I clean houses. I wait tables. My kids are still in DHS custody. They're, they're still in the foster home. And, um, I said, you know, like, what does my life come to? Like, whoa, you know, the, um, the pity party thing. 
And um, she said, it's time for you to give back and um, maybe like clean for women who have been in your position and um, for free. And I was like, oh. And a light bulb went off and I said, clean mm. life, clean home. Like literally, it just came out of my mouth and I was like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> and um, so I set up a Facebook page, I set up an Instagram, and I. Um, I think that was in April of 2016 and I went to the foster parents, um, and told them what I was doing and that I needed somebody, I needed a mom that was in recovery and I needed to, um, sit down with her and hear her testimony and I needed to clean her house. (laughs) I was like, this is what I need to do. You know, do you know anybody? And they said, we know somebody at our church. Her name is Kelly. Um, she is um, in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And then I guess her son was struggling with his own addiction. So she was adopting her grandkids. Um, mm. So I called her up basically. And um, since it was new, I just like created this on my own. Nobody had ever heard of it. It was kind of like random. I was like, hi, I'm Melissa. I know we've never met, but can I come meet you and hear your testimony and, and clean your house? <laughs> um, so I love I, it so much, Melissa. I'm like smiling so big over here. That took a lot of nerve. She's just, you know, I, I have um, in my brochure, like her, um, um, her quote, I have to find that. Um, so basically what I do, what Clean Life, Clean Home is, is I pick one mom or dad. It's, I've had one dad. It's been all moms that are in recovery from drugs and alcohol that have, you know, turn their life around for them and their kids. Um, I meet with them. I basically like interview them. Um, I ask them kind of like what we're doing right now, what it was like, what happened and what is it like now? And I take notes and, and then I sh- I'll put a couple of paragraphs together and I'll share it on the Facebook page and on Instagram. And then I get a couple of volunteers together and we clean their house for free. It's a way of, you know, spreading hope, spreading the message, um, paying it forward, being of service, you know, yeah. doing something nice for another mom that has, you know, we've been in the same place and gotten their kids taken away or they've been in prison, they've been a prostitute, they live on Skid Row, whatever, but they've t- turned their life around and I'm like, here, I'm doing something nice for you. Mm. You're honoring them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was, I, I, I go to meetings, Melissa, and of course these little pearls of wisdom come out of these meetings. I'm kind of addicted to the pearls of wisdom now that I've been seeing sync up in my life. And I went to a meeting, um, this week and I knew I was going to be interviewing you and someone had said the phrase, um, and I'm sure you've heard it too. Trust God, clean house, help others. Mm, yeah. And I was just writing that in my journal and I'm like, that's what she's doing. That's what she did. Yeah. That's, that's, that's. Like literally, that's what you're doing, and it's beautiful. What a beautiful, Mm -hmm. what a beautiful way to be of service. Yeah, but we we you know like whenever I was in my addiction, I don't remember ever hearing of moms being in recovery and sharing it out loud. Like, no, you just don't really hear that stuff. No, Um, no, that's kind of what this is, and that's why I want it to be moms and I want it to be dads because I feel like there is a special kind of shame that that moms and dads feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I say, I, I say that all the time that yeah. we carry around like an extra, extra bag in the, in, yes. the, in the overhead 
department <laughs> compartment of shame <laughs> yeah. for sure as a parent. Um, do you have, do you ever come across anyone that's hesitant about taking your offer because they are just so entrenched in their shame or they don't, they want to stay under the radar. Like they, they want to stay anonymous or. I feel like I've, I feel like I've met um, two women that, um, turned me down and said no but for the most part like people are wanting to share their story they want mm-hmm. to yeah because it's starting to there's there it's kind of like this domino effect I guess they see mm-hmm. Kelly she she got her house cleaned and she shared her testimony and you know like it it's like mine you know it is not mm-hmm. repassed and she here she is she's talking about it openly and then she nominates you know, one of her sponsees and she's like, Hey, I would like for her to be able to do the same thing and receive the same gift. And then she's all excited about it. She wants to share her story. And then somebody else is like, Oh my gosh, wow, look at them. I can do it too. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's just spread. So I have women like wanting to share their story, not even in just Oklahoma, but in other States. And I'm like, just give me a time. I'll be in your state soon. Like, just give me some time. (laughs) Yeah. It's just kind of like when, it's like shining the light. You know, that's kind of what it is. Shining the light on the other side of addiction that we rarely hear about, which is recovery, especially moms in recovery. Yeah. We need stories like that. And, yeah. and that's, you know, this whole thing is about being of service and paying it forward and cleaning somebody's house. But really, like, the testimonies are so important. It's, like, the most important part of it, I think. And, mm-hmm. and like, the, the more stories that we show, we share, the, the more moms that want to share their story to you. Yeah, it's almost like a metaphor for what's happening in their real life because, you know, you get sober and it's like, or maybe it's the thing that keeps you from getting sober is because you're like, I don't want to face this mess I have to clean up in my life. It's so overwhelming um, sometimes. And so it's just like, you know, cleaning a home it's just a perfect metaphor like it can we just have to start with this corner (laughs) you can clean up we can clean your house you can clean your life kind of you know you can put your life back together um what a good feeling it is for these moms to be able to come home because you know most of them are single moms and they're doing everything on their own and they're working hard and they're going to meetings and they're sponsoring and they're taking care of their kids and you know they're and then to come home to a nice clean house like what a good feeling that is Ugh, and to be yes. acknowledged to be acknowledged be like hey you know what i know where you've been i see how hard you worked and i'm going to do something nice for you um because i've been there too and i i know how it is so yeah, and, and I have to say that I think sometimes that anonymity, while I understand it and respect it within the rooms, um, you know, I'm not anonymous myself outside the rooms, but I understand the, the foundation of it. But then also you can't be accurately seen and heard outside of the rooms. So like you tell your story you there. You integrate your life. Right. Yeah. It's separate. And so no one's going to see all the hard work you've been doing. They might, they might benefit from it or have a, you know, the byproduct of it is that you're a better human being and that you feel like you're keeping your obligations and that you're, you know, picking up your kids on time, but you're really seeing these women because they're telling the stories, right. And, and they can't, they can't be acknowledged for all that hard soul work that they're doing unless they get to say it out loud you know, yeah. outside of the rooms. Cause like I said, inside you get, you get seen and heard, but outside it's, it's, um, 
it's a whole different world out here. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why we're talking about it, you know? Risk is our secrets, and why is recovery got to be my biggest secret? Like, I just mm -hmm. share yeah. it. And it seems like a lot of other people want to share it, too. Yeah. Um, kind of like what Kelly said. I don't have my brochure, so I'm just kind of like uh, what a little bit of what she said was in the, um, in the interview. Not the interview, but she kind of um, said a little bit about how it felt to have her house clean and share her story. And she said that... Um, you know, it, she was a little, I guess, nervous about it at first, not because, um, she was nervous about me coming into her home, but because she didn't really feel like she deserved to have something nice done for her. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and for have us come in there and do something nice for her, like it felt like everything that she had been through and everything that she had done was, you know, it was for something. Mm -hmm. So oh, it was pretty cool. I like, I like the quote. I wish I had it with me right now, but it's pretty neat. Yeah, to be acknowledged and to, well, in the beginning in early sobriety, at least for me, it was just, it was this, um, there was still a lot of shame around it, you know, and vulnerability and, um, you were kind of shrouded and, and the rooms for me helped, helped kind of hold me in a way that I needed. But it wasn't long after that, that I realized, I mean, I'd kind of been sharing all along, not the complete version of my truth, but some of it. Um, but there's power in it. Right. And there's such a, when I learned about service and thinking, well, I always was trying to be of service in my life, but I did it with a martyrdom <laughs> that it was like, I was the queen of it. I would do it and want to be acknowledged and patted on the back and, um, really self-serving, uh, not genuine. And it's hard for me to say that because at the time I really felt like I was being of service, but when I can look, I can look at back now and see like, but you complain the whole time. That's not really being of service. You're like a pain in the ass. You're just, you're trying to be snarky and you're like, Oh, I manage all these uh, volunteers and nobody else is going to do it. And I'm the only one who can, which was a lie because someone else does that job. Now I gave it up and they do it lovely. Um, but it's interesting, like in sobriety, how we, to be of service now is even though we are sharing these things publicly, I don't need somebody to pat me on the back. I really don't anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I want to do it because I want to do it is the first thought, like all these other good things come from it, which is lovely. And I appreciate, but the first gut reaction is that I want to do it because I want to be of service and I mean it. Yeah. It's so fulfilling. And, you know, I feel like sharing my stories openly and doing the clean life, clean home has really um, affected, like, my parenting in a positive way. And really, um, I shared it on my, my Truth Starts Here Facebook page the other day, is that, you know, the more that I shared my story, like, it, like there was a lot of forgiveness, uh, getting it out there and connecting with other people. I, was, I feel like it helped me to forgive myself. And, um, to, and to build that confidence. So when my son, um, came at me one day and was throwing a big fit over, I don't know, nothing. And, um, was like, I wouldn't act like this if you didn't get me taken away twice. And I was just like, you know what? Like that stuff, it just doesn't bother me anymore because I, I don't feel all that guilt. Like I've forgiven myself. So when you say that stuff to hurt me, um, I, I don't. I don't give into it. I don't start like, um, parenting on guilt. Mm -hmm. I just told him, I said, you know, like I could blame 
every bad decision that I've ever made on people that have hurt me. I could, I could blame mm-hmm. it all. But, but then like, then what is that? I, there's no room for growth. And then my life is everybody else's fault. And like you blaming this little fit that you're throwing over, I don't know what on me, because I got you taken away twice. Like it's been over a year. You've been home over a year. I have over two years sober and you're still doing that. Like there comes a point in time where we have to start working on, um, forgiveness and taking responsibility for our own actions. And it was kind of like, Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, he hasn't said that to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to well, go think about that now. <laughs> we've, ta- we've talked about this in other in other podcasts, the, the parenting or the motherhood podcast that we did, but you're modeling a solution for him too. So whether you, you know, spell it out like that every day or you just do it every day, eventually, I mean, kids are turds sometimes, you know, <laughs> but eventually you know, your kids are going to be like, yeah, mom, you know, modeled the solution in life that, you know, you can turn your life around, that you can uh, be forgiven, that you can, um, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you may think you're at the end of, of the road and you can actually turn the whole vehicle around. And, um, you can fix your life. You can fix your situation. Um, so they'll get, you know, your kids will get there. They'll get there. You know, like my son um, was in an alternative school last year, and it was half school, half um, therapy, like one-on-one therapy, group therapy, family therapy, all, just like all therapy. It's like it was step down from inpatient. And uh, he said that one day they were having group therapy. And the teacher said, today's session is going to be, everybody is going to share what has brought them to where they are today. Like, why are you here today? What has happened in your life like that has brought you here? And um, he was like, mom. He's like, nobody would share their story. Nobody. And he was like, so guess what I did? I said, what? He's like, I just told him everything. I told him my, I told him about you. I told him about DHS. I told him about gel. I told him about alcohol. I told him everything. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, what everybody did. I was like, what? He's like, they started sharing their story too. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, tell it, tell it, tell it. <laughs> yeah. Be proud. Like, just tell it. Everybody mm-hmm. has their thing. He was like, well, my story was the worst, but everybody had bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just modeled the solution for him to be yeah. seen and heard, Melissa. Yeah. You just mo- you just showed your son how it was done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all teary today. <laughs> it's so beautiful, you know? Like when I went to make amends and my sponsor said like, you know, we don't make amends to our children or you, we suggest you don't make amends to your children, your young children. And I was like, "Well, then how do you do it?" Like cuz I'm sorry for so much. And she's like, you just live it. You live your amends. You live each day and you make amends to him by the good actions that you're taking every single day. And I was like, well, I still, I'm not perfect. You know, every day isn't perfect. She's like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Tammy, dial it back. (laughs) I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. By getting up and making him breakfast and not making him late for school, which is what I used to do all the time that's how I make amends, you know, and it's pretty cool that in sobriety and in recovery that we have that opportunity with our children, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's a choice. 
Right. You own your part every day. You know, you're going to yell at your kids some days. I mean, I, I, okay, I'm going to yell at my kids <laughs> some days. <laughs> Same. But then I can, you know, but then I can collect myself and say, you know, I'm sorry I did that. Or here's why I got emotional. Or, you know, we can own our parts now. And in doing that, I think like you, you know, explain to your son, then they'll, they'll start owning their parts too. Um, even as kids, they're, they're gonna, you know, start owning their parts too. You know, like I I do need to forgive you for this because, you know, you, you apologized and you're living in the solution now. And even if they can't articulate it, they, they get it. Can I tell y'all one more story? Please. Okay. Okay. So it's the Melissa Johnson show. So you can tell us whatever you want, (laughs) Melissa. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So last year, um, he, uh, my son was inpatient and I actually, I think it was the beginning of this year, January, he had gone inpatient for a week or so. And, uh, when he got out, it was his, um, he was on a basketball team and he just thought that he was the best one on the team and like everybody else was horrible and he was the best one. Like, oh my gosh. Um, so on the first game, he got mad because he fouled and the referee called the foul on him and he like threw the basketball and he walked out of the gym. He walked out of the school. I was so mad at him. He left his team and, um, he was like, I'm the best one on that team. I, I, nobody does anything. I'm the best one. Blah, 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 blah. And then he was yelling at me. He was like, I don't even want to live with you anymore. I'm not. I'm not just going off. Right. Um, so whenever it came time for the next week's practice and I said, well, it's practice time. And, um, he was like, well, I'm not going to practice. I said, well, why not? I, said, I quit. I'm quitting the team. I'm not playing on it anymore. I said, well, um, then you can tell your coach that you're not going to be on the team anymore. And he's like, that's your job. I said, Oh, you're the one that walked off the team, walked out, walked out of the gym. And you're the one quitting, so it's your job. He's like, well, I, I just want to play some other team. And I said, okay, I've already paid, play, I've already paid for you to play basketball. And if you think for one second I'm going to let you quit and then go put you on another sports team just because you're throwing a fit, uh, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not. So you either play, you go to your team, and you apologize to them, and you stay on the, on the team, or you go to your coach and you tell him yourself that you're quitting. And he's like through this big fit, right? And um, so we get in the car. And um, I, he's like, I said, I know what's wrong with you. You're scared. You're scared to go. You're scared to do it. You're scared to face them. I get it. And he's like, what, what if they, like, punch me or hit me? What if they hate me? Aww. I said, your mind is trying to t- take you to the worst case scenario. I guarantee you, like, people really respect it whenever you, like, earn up to your mistakes. I said, whenever I screwed up and I got you taken away for the second time, people were really mad at me. People stopped talking to me. Like, people didn't like me. They, like, people were really mad. And um, and I knew it, but I didn't give up. I kept going. I kept moving forward. And um, things are much better now. I said, but here's the deal. Um, just, own, just own up to what you did and go look him in the face. And he, we sat out in the parking lot of the gym, and he just, oh, my gosh, you could just see it. He was so anxious. He just was scared. He wouldn't go in. And I said, go. We're not leaving this gym until you go in there. And um, he was like, I'm not going in. I'm like, all right, fine. We're just going to leave. No, Mom. No, Mom. Okay, I'll do it. And he ended up apologizing to the coach and to the team, and they all – 
forgave him mm-hmm. and he played on the team and he got back in the car and bawled his eyes out. <laughs> I said, Sweet that boy. Feeling the fear and doing it anyways and owning up to your mistake feels like there you go. Mm-hmm. That's he finished out beautiful. the season good and he made friends and he did really good and they all were good. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, I was so proud of him for doing that. It was it was pretty it was a cool moment just to it, see him like, And you knew how to do that because you'd done it. Yes. You could yeah. you could parent in that way. That's what's so cool about like removing alcohol and you know, if if you were doing drugs and removing all of it. You have this clarity that I just never had for, I longed for, but I never had it. And so when I experience it, like when I wake up and I'm grateful that I wake up without a hangover, that's like not to boast. That's like, I am honestly so grateful. I don't feel dull in the way I felt before and on edge. Like we get to do it so differently and we get to experience. There's a clarity and to recognize those moments of teaching too, Melissa, they're like golden opportunities. I can see them now. I, before they might've happened by accident, (laughs) but I don't think I had the intention with my parenting that I have now and the awareness. Right. Right. Because you know, you, yeah, you may have been focused on the money part of it or whatever, but you know, before Mm -hmm. like I I spent all that money and I'm, but you know, but, but now you, 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 the intention behind it is probably totally different. Like I know this is going to build your integrity and your character because it, it built mine when I had to, you know, face, um, face the scary stuff that I had to face. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just looking at our time here. Um, let's see what else we want to get to talking about. Um, what you're working on now, Melissa, right? In the holidays. And I know this is going to air the first week of December and it's kind of like kicking off party season for people I know. And I know people who are sober are also, you know, looking for ways to kind of, uh, to ground themselves and to do something good this holiday season. So do you have something you want to share with our listeners? Yes. Okay. So clean, Life, clean home right now is, I know when this comes out, the nomination part will be over with, but I, on my Facebook page, the clean, Life, clean home Facebook page, I did a live video, um, announcing that clean, Life, clean home is adopting a mom, a sober mom or dad for Christmas. Um, and what we are doing right now, I'm taking nominations and for women, um, or men, it's been all, I don't have any dads yet, but it's all been, it's all moms so far that are in recovery in the Oklahoma City area. Um, And instead of like cleaning their house for them in December, what I'm going to do is get their testimony, sit down with them, do the interview part. And then I'm going to get their Christmas list for their kids and I'm going to buy their kids Christmas presents. That's amazing. Oh, I love that so much. I can't wait to find out who wins, what we're doing. Like, we're going to be so cheesy about it. We are going to take every the names of the women. I'm going to write them on these little pieces of paper. I'm going to put it in a bowl, and we're going to do a live video. My son said he wants to be the one to draw the name. Aww. So we're going to take the name, we're going to announce it, and then um, and I'm going to meet up with them and get their testimony, share their testimony, get the presents. And I think I'm going to try to do, depending on how many gift cards I get, 
you know, all the women that didn't win, we get a gift card to Walmart. And then also can, um, are qualified for a future home cl- uh, cleaning um, from cleaning home. Yeah. So, I mean, I cannot wait. I can't oh. wait to go shopping. So if we have listeners that want to help or donate something, is there a way for them to do that or for us to do that? Yes. You can go to cleanlifecleanhome.com and there's a way to donate money on there. All the money will go to Christmas presents. And um, I'm actually going to look into, I'm meeting with somebody on Monday that owns um, a, they do massages and like, um, facials I believe anyways I think we're going to do something special for the mom too so but um yeah you can go to cleanlifecleanhome.com and donate money all that goes to the presents for the kids I want them to have a super awesome Christmas because I'm pretty sure that all the moms have been nominated so far are all single moms and and that could definitely use the extra help for the holidays absolutely I imagine you're going to have a, a lot of people respond I would imagine yeah for donations. Yeah. Well, I think I have eight moms so far and then I've had a couple of donations. They're all tax deductible. I am a 501 C three nonprofit and, um, or if they want to send gift cards, like they're welcome to do that too. Um, they can message me on Facebook on the clean life, clean home Facebook page or at clean life, clean home at gmail.com. So, and all of it will go towards the Christmas. For the kids and for the uh, moms that don't win also. I have a question real quick, too, while we're talking about this. How can people just support Clean Life, Clean Home in general? Do you sell merchandise? Do you take donations? How do you raise money for that? Because I'm sure you you have to buy the cleaning supplies and all of that, right? Yes. Every mom that gets their house cleaned every month gets a – I get this big bucket, and I fill it up with cleaning supplies, and um, they each get a $50 gift card to Walmart – and, um, yes, so I do sell T-shirts, and I have mugs, and um, or they can just donate money, which will go towards, um, you know, the cleaning supplies and the gift cards for Walmart and for the kids that I'm um, going to be um, uh, getting presents for. And then also, I, um, whenever I interview a mom, I ask them if there's anything they need. Like the last mom, she needed a dining room table. And, um, she got a dining, we went and got our dining room table. That's awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's yeah. so awesome. I'm just looking at your website while we're chatting here and it's so beautiful and crisp and clear. And I imagine that costs money to have a website and to host it and to, to promote these yeah. things. So if anybody wants yeah. to support Melissa Johnson and her mission, yeah, thank you for, uh, we'll, we'll link we will add your website to our show notes. I'm having trouble with links, but we will, we'll make sure that information's out there so that people can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley Longmire, who um, writes on Bloom and Ash, she's the one that has done the website for me. I think she's done like, an amazing job. Oh, that's so great. And her name's Ashley Longmire? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you can find her on Facebook on Bloom and Ash, like B-L-O-O-M-I-N-A-S-H. Okay. Bloom and Ash, I think. Thank you. So much good stuff, Melissa, in your life. Look what you did. Look what you're doing. I know. And I'm actually going to be starting up a new blog. I um, don't write. I'm not writing on my truth starts here anymore. I kind of um, felt like it was time for a new chapter with that. And so Mm -hmm. I'll start writing 
on SoberMelissa.com whenever I get that up and ready to go. So. Oh, very oh, cool. cool. But you'll leave, you'll leave My Truth Starts here. Will you leave that up for oh, yes. just as an archive? Yeah. Yeah, that will, be, that will stay up, and then, you know, I'll be sharing that. Yeah, I, and I may go back and write on that. Who knows? But I always um, give that to women. I'm like, hey, here's my story if you want to read a little bit of this. Yeah. Um, kind of where I started from. I wanted people to be able to see where I started. Right. Yeah. yeah. So important. Well, that's just part of like ha- li- living, like this is what this podcast is about is, is uh, creativity and recovery and how that kind of, where it intersects, how it fuels it and your life. You've just created this beautiful mm-hmm. life, Melissa. Yeah. You know, from that's your, say, like this time around, like I, um, I created a path a recovery path that um, for myself that works for me basically is what I've done this time yeah you took so, charge of it I did I started a blog I started a nonprofit. I share my story openly and I, I speak and now I'm on podcast and it's like I've met some really amazing women and men that I don't know if I would have met you know otherwise yeah. all because of the story it's been so cool yeah, I mean, we could never, it, we just, it's like beyond your wildest, it's the rocketed into the fourth dimension thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I just had a flashback of us walking around New York City with your, you had your sister and was it other friends with you? Yeah, my Another friend, friend? Yeah. yeah. And we were walking around, Sandra, you'll appreciate this. We're there for this big recovery conference. We're walking around kind of in circles a little bit, looking for a place to eat. We're all really hungry. Um, I think maybe it had been raining a little bit. I can't remember. And we're walking around and we walk into this Mexican restaurant and it's just packed. We go up to the hostess. Um, and she's like, no, we're really busy because it's Cinco de Mayo. And we're like, oh, <laughs> that's why every place is packed. And we're like, well, we're not, we don't need to sit at the bar. We're just, we're just going to have a quick dinner. She's like, no, everything's full. But the irony of us being in New York, all these sober ladies together, trying to find a place to go eat. And the places are just flooded with people drinking margaritas, right? It's Cinco de Mayo. That's funny. And we were just like our own little sober tribe. We found this beautiful little Italian restaurant that just took us in. Yeah, I was say, perfect. don't eat Mexican in New York City anyway. <laughs> Italian restaurant was so good. It was perfect. It was. I might it was like backlash the... for saying that. But I'm pretty confident. I think you might be right. On the next time I'm in Austin, like we are definitely going to meet up. The last two times that I've been to Austin, you haven't um, made it. So I next... know. I know. Uh, I know. We are, yeah. I want to come to Austin the first quarter of next year. So I'm trying to make that happen with Sandra. We'll have to. We'll have to Let plan something fun. Let me know where you're going, and I'll be there too. Okay. Good. Have a, I need some queso, not yeah. cheese dip. I need queso, right? And Topo Chico. See, I bet in that Mexican food restaurant in uh, in New York City they called it cheese dip. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll stop now. <laughs> I work in a Mexican diner and I like to mess with my boss. I'm like, can I get some queso cheese? You know? <laughs> Well, I'm just I really don't talk like that. Oh, no, I dream about that. Where's what was that restaurant we went to? That that we went a couple of nights that weekend, Sandra. Matt's El Rancho. Yes, Matt's El Rancho with the with the queso. That's where I want to go again. When I went back to Austin with Steve, that's where we went the first night. I'm like I've been dreaming about this cheese dip mm, queso. <laughs> Love Austin. Austin is awesome. It's a great city. 
Well, Melissa, we could probably talk to you all day about all kinds of things, but we're going to wrap it up. And um, this is the portion of our show where we share um, the unruffled toolbox is what we're calling it. Um, Things that help you stay calm or not agitated or kind of aid either in your recovery um, or your creativity. Any, your top three tools that kind of are your go-to so our listeners can kind of learn from you. Okay. Well, let's see. I have quite a few of them. Oh, okay. I I like to run um, or uh, I like to call it slow jogging. I'm not necessarily a runner, but I like to, it it clears my mind. I like to jog outside. I like to be in fresh air with the trees and the leaves. And so that's one of them. Okay. I also do this thing called body talk and I'm sure most people have not heard of it. And it is some, I do it a few times a month. I have a, it's called body talk. Um, you can Google it in your area. It's like a, um, alternative holistic, um, energy work. Hmm. Basically, Me and my kids, all three, we do it and I love it. I feel amazing after I've done a session and I feel like it's just really helped me to, um, to grow and to let a lot of stuff go. I've never heard of that. Okay. I know most people have not, and it has really helped me and my family. I wonder if it's like Reiki. Am I saying that right? Is it kind of like that? Reiki, I would say kind of a little bit. Um, and I told my, I told the girl that I, um, that I see that I was trying to tell a friend of mine, I said, I'm trying to tell my friend of mine, a, a friend of mine, what you do. I don't know how to explain it. She's like, oh, I know. I get that all the time. <laughs> She's like, just have her call me. So. <laughs> just Google it and go. <laughs> okay, well, that is, that's helpful. Maybe our listeners will check that out. I'm going to check it out. Check it out, like, for real. Like, my son, me and my son have started started doing it in March. And um, ever since then, like, he is in regular school, regular class. He's off all his meds. He was on three different meds. He's off on meds. Oh, wow. And, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um, cool. And then I do like to do um, my writing, my blogging, yeah, and sharing my story openly. I, I also do um, essential oils. I'm, I'm, I have lemon in the diffuser right now. I love it. Love so, it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Those are good tools. Yep. Yeah, writing it's is awesome. such a good one. It's so it's free. You know, it's accessible. It you can anybody can do it anywhere, anytime. Um, it's just getting into that routine, but it's nice to, to have that to like, again, to kind of deposit your thoughts. Um, it's been um, alone time. like I have to have my alone time. Mm-hmm. Girl. <laughs> Preaching to the <laughs> choir, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming on our show. Like I know you've been on other podcasts and we really, um, we just, I, you spoke to me so much and meeting you in person and. It was just a delight. And so I knew that our listeners would love to hear how you've created this beautiful life that you have. Yes. It's very, very inspiring, Melissa. Yes. Just Thank you so much for that enough. And the next time we're together, um, this is just a little side note. Um, you are like the best selfie taker in the world that I've ever met. <laughs> so I would like a little class, a little Instagram selfie class from you. Can you do that for me? to hold it with your left hand you have to hold it up too so there's like no double chins Hmm. okay oh yeah i'm working i'm working on my double chins okay that that's a good tip 
Natalie is trying to help me with that too. She's a really good selfie taker too, but yeah. I just, <laughs> just can't seem to get it down. <laughs> I'm holding my phone and I go to take a selfie or go to take a picture and it's like on selfie mode and I'm like, whoa, I was not expecting to do that. <laughs> no, but you always look so fresh and bright and beautiful and just like, I love it. It just, it's inspiring. You are so inspiring, Melissa. And I'm so glad you walked through your fear and told your story and listened to your gut, you know? Yes. And I think you're going to inspire a lot of women listening to this show today. And y'all too. Y'all are inspiring. Yeah. Both of y'all. I love you both. Love you too. <sighs> All right, friends, go out and have a beautiful day. Right. <laughs> Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Aguirre. Thanks for listening.